Well, I love to say this. There is no place like home. Amen. I love being at home at TWBC. It's so good to be back with you guys, and I'm excited for this morning of what God has in store for us. If you would, begin to open up your Bibles to the book of Genesis, chapter number one. I, I figured for my first Sunday back, I'd make it an easy scripture reference to find, so just open up to page number one of the Bible, and that's where we're going to kick this thing off this morning with, with our sermon called Kids. And so as you're turning there, uh, I want to talk to you very quickly about mega baptism. What is mega baptism? Next Sunday, we're believing to baptize about 50 people in both services here at TWBC, amen? We're excited about that. Some of you guys get to see a baptism occasionally. You get to see one person baptized, and then two or three weeks later, another person baptized. We want to have a time where we celebrate what God is doing. And so if you have been born again at TWBC and not have a public baptism, we want you to register with our start team. And if, uh, Tony, can you stand up real quick? Tony's on our start team. When you see a person like that with a green shirt that means you can register for something that is going on at TWBC all of our start team members are right out those doors at the back right after church and we want you to register with a start team member so we can get you a t-shirt and next Sunday you can be a part of mega baptism service and so I'm gonna make Tony stand up the whole time while I'm talking about this the second thing some of you were baptized 20 years ago I knew I was born again on in 1988 I mean that's decades ago right And so with that, I've grown a lot in my Christian walk since 1988. Some of you, you may want to get rebaptized. It doesn't mean that your first baptism didn't count. What it means is that I know so much more about what I'm doing as a Christian and as a believer. I want to make a fresh commitment and make that public by baptism. And so I'm going to get rebaptized. And so to show the, the church family that I'm serious about my faith, I'm going to walk in the full knowledge of what I know up to this point in my life, believing that God will bring me farther into my Christian walk. Finally, I want to talk to you about this. Some of you are in a dry season in your life. I mean, you came in this morning and you got your good church face, right? You're looking good. We all got good church faces, but many times the church faces do not represent what is internally going on with us on the inside. And so my concern is this, that many of you can come here Sunday after Sunday and be very dry spiritually. Well, I want to encourage you, make a splash. Make a splash in your Christian walk. You know, I believe this just because this is the type of person I am. If I am dry and in need of something, I don't just want to get a sip of water. I want to take a splash. Some of you are dry spiritually, and I'm telling you, if you'll get baptized next Sunday, you'll immediately come out of a dry season in your life. I believe this with all my heart, that if you are in need of something and you're in a dry season, whatever is dry needs to come in contact with living water. Amen? What you do in the physical, I believe God will honor in the spiritual. I believe what you do in the physical of a dry human body going into a wet baptismal and coming up as a new creation in Christ Jesus, I believe it will happen physically and spiritually in your life. And so if you're in a dry season, I'm going to challenge you before you leave this auditorium this morning, get together with a start team member, register, and let's have an amazing mega baptism service next week. I need everybody next week to wear shorts flip-flops and t-shirts can i get an amen on that the religious people you can still come in shorts flip-flops and t-shirts amen come on some of y'all are like i've never wore shorts to church in my life i have and it's amazing right it's like the best thing ever fixing to start a trend right and so i want everybody to wear shorts and flip-flops and a t-shirt because this is the reason there will be some people in the congregation next week 
that you're going to have your feet dug in the sand and say, I'm not getting baptized, but the Spirit of God will move on your life. And I want you to dress as a congregation by faith that people will just step straight out of the congregation without a plan of being baptized. And they don't want to feel awkward. They don't want to sit here and think, well, I wore my nice shoes and my nice shirt and I can't get it wet. Everybody dress casual by faith knowing that God will draw people out of their seat to just walk up and say, you know, it's time for me to make a fresh step for Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen on that? Do you believe God can do that? Give him a hand clap of praise. Amen. And so, hey, as it is Child Dedication Sunday, Pastor Corey made reference to how we'll, how we'll um, dedicate our children at the end of service. Go get your children, and then we'll call all the families up here that want to be dedicated. It's also Promotion Sunday. We're promoting our kids. It's also Backpack Blessing Sunday where we uh, want to bless our kids to give them something they can keep with them all year long. But you also see all the staff and, and the worship team wearing the orange shirts that we have on. This is our new kids. Um, it, I, I hesitate very strongly because it's not our new kids direction where we're taking your kids and showing them how they can become all that God has called them to be in their life why is it called orange because the yellow stands for the church we are the light of the world amen you're the light of the world the red stands for the love of God that they get at home and so combining the church with the home the red and the yellow we get the color orange so we don't want to do church for you we want to do church with you there's going to be some amazing interactive ways for you to uh, develop your relationship with your kid and your child's relationship with Jesus. There's going to be apps on your phone that you can have daily Bible studies with. There's going to be a whole facet that we're going to unroll of how you can be engaged in your children's life. And so we know this, that the church is the light of the world. And that's represented by the color yellow. The place that loves the kids the most is the home. And we believe the home is a loving place. So we're not trying to take the place of home. But we believe when you combine the home and the church together, you have the right ingredients for a maximum impact to raise up world changers right in your very own household. Amen? And so we're launching Orange today, and so we wanted everybody to wear orange t-shirts. And so today is all about the kids, and we're excited about that. Also, we want to pray for all the teachers. Any teachers in here? Hold your hands up real high. Woo! Y'all give our teachers a hand clap of praise. Amen? They're going to take on our world changers and help them in every area of life. And so teachers, we love you. We stand with you. We appreciate you. If you need anything, we want to be here for you as a TWBC staff. So please do not hesitate to reach out to any one of us. And so as you found in your Bible, Genesis chapter number one, verse number 26, everybody say I'm there. The title of this morning's message is Kids, K-I-D-Z. And we're going to talk about our kids this morning. And in Genesis chapter number 1, verse 26, the Bible said, says this, Then God said, Let us, the Trinity, the triune being of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. God said, I want some people in the earth to be like me. Amen? Yeah. He was talking about you. <laughs> he was talking about me. Let's make some people in our likeness, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of heaven and over the livestock and over the earth and every, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. I love the phraseology of that, right? I want you to have dominion over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, amen? And so with that, he said, so God created man in his own image. And in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Everybody say, that's me. That's me. Oh, come on, you're better than that. Everybody say, that's me. that's me. 
and God blessed them. See, that's why I wanted you to say that's me because your blessing was about to come. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of heaven and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And so, Father, we thank you that your word is anointed. We thank you that your word is powerful. We thank you that it does not return to you void or fruitfulless. And we thank you that today, God, we see life change happen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so, hey, as we kick off this message today, today that's all about kids, we must remember one thing, that we are also kids. We are also kids. We are God's kids because we belong to him and we've been bought with a price. And so as you're a kid and I'm a kid and we belong to an amazing, wonderful, loving Heavenly Father, we also know that just as he is our father, many of us have kids and bless our kids because they're little images of us so we have little us's running around right and so god wants the same thing he made us in the image of him so he could have little hymns running around not hymns like old school hymns like open up your hymn little hymns h-i-m-s right and so with that i want to i want to explain something about my life the greatest lessons i've ever learned is this is that when my kids are doing something that irritates me, y'all ever been there? Your kids have never irritated you. Y'all have amazing families, amen, hallelujah. Hey, I'll tell you this, your kids have never irritated me. That's awesome, right? I love them, they're great. But sometimes my kids, Pastor Derek, irritate me. You're gonna learn a lot about the family today, (laughs) about my family today. And so sometimes when my kids irritate me, my response of correction to them is also God's response of correction to me. Mm. Okay, I'm going to say that again. When I am correcting my kids sometimes, many times, I'll qualify it honestly, many times that is also God's correction to me. For example, my kids in the summer, we kind of let the rules slide some. Don't judge me. Amen. And they played Xbox and, and, and on the iPads probably a little lot more than they should, right? A, a, a little more than they should. And, and sometimes they get to the point where they begin to be whiny and say, but we don't have anything to do, right? Have y'all ever heard that from your kids? It's summer. Of course you have. And so when my response to my kids of they're irritating me with their whining is what do you mean you don't have anything to do i've given you everything that you've asked for god says joel what do you mean that you're whining to me i've given you everything that you've asked for right come on am i the only one on that i mean god my response of correction to my kids is god's response of correction to me what are you whining about and god says what are you whining about right so it's like when I'm talking to my little me's, he's talking to his little hymns, right? And so when I'm talking to my little me's that are wonderful and fearfully made and they're amazing little men of God, and I'm saying, what are you whining about? God's also looking at me saying, what are you whining about? And I'm like, just a minute, I'm having this conversation. I'm not omnipresent. I can't do what you can do, <laughs> right? So that's my excuse to put God on hold and finish my response to God and how I respond to my kids, Right? Am I the only one who has this problem? You guys are looking at me like, what? We got the weirdest pastor in the world. I'm just telling you, this is my real relationship with God. 
When I'm talking to my kids, God talks to me the same way, and I love it. Because sometimes I don't get it the first time, so he says it very clearly and loudly the first time, so I can start to get it, right? And then sometimes he's got to say it over and over again. And the Bible says this, and this is a common verse that every church uses on children's days, is train up a child in the way they should go. And when they get old, they won't depart from it. But the thing about training is this. Training is not a one-time event, Mike. You know this. Training is not a one-time event. As you are the owner of a business, you have to train your employees over and over and over and over. And so part of you thinks, I know I've said this before, right? And so training is not a one-time event. Training is doing this. It's teaching somebody to do something the right way over and over again until it becomes first nature and their first thought, not second nature where they have to think about it. See, training, when you train something, when you train yourself, you do it over and over the right way. Everybody say the right way. Until it becomes your first nature and what you naturally do, not your second nature where you have to hesitate and think about it. Right? I I know uh, we have Coach Alex over here, and when he's training his football players, you don't want them to hesitate. You don't want them to have to think, what do I do when they call this play? You want them to be so trained, so programmed, so practiced into the system that you have when a play is called, they don't have to think because it's first nature, not second nature. God wants the same thing for us. God has got us in a training process. So when the circumstances of life hit us and they hit us unfavorably, we respond in our first nature, the nature of God that's in us, rather than the nature that we used to live by. And so when the circumstances of life hit us, God has us right now in a training process. So when the time comes, we'll automatically have his response, not our response. And so with that, as we jump into this message, I want to talk about three areas of life real quick. Let's talk about attitudes. Everybody say attitudes. Let's talk about actions. Say actions. And let's talk about attributes for a moment. Say attributes. Attitudes are this. Attitudes are the external reflection of our emotional response to the circumstances that we're in. So attitudes are our emotional response externally to the circumstances that we are in. And how many of your kids have ever had a bad attitude? Okay, how many of your kids have had a bad attitude this morning? (laughs) Hallelujah. It's Sunday. It's the most spiritual warfare day of the week. I think, I think when Sunday rolls around, the enemy purposely throws the, the spirit of bad attitude out there, right? To discourage parents from trying to bring their kids to church. Yeah. Why do we got to go to church every Sunday? <laughs> Y'all ever heard that? My kids, why do we got to go to two services every Sunday? <laughs> because we don't have Sunday night church here, and I had to go to Sunday morning and Sunday night growing up. You got to go to two Sunday morning, right? No, the, the bad attitude, it's like the enemy plants bad attitudes on Sunday morning. It's his ultimate assault on the church. If I get this little angel, just a little bit of my attitude, right? It's going to frustrate the parents. And the parents aren't going to want to come because of the bad attitudes of the kids. And if I can just... ...irritated with each other. Am I the only one? And then all of it explodes. So with attitudes, they are the external reflection of our internal emotional response to the circumstances we're in. The thing about attitudes 
is this. The thing about attitudes is more of an attitude is caught than it is taught. Attitudes are more caught than they are taught. Listen to this. Attitudes are a lot like a virus. You don't know where you caught it. You don't know when you caught it, but you definitely feel the effects of it. There was a time last year, I remember specifically, when I walked in the door, and it's like my kids just had the worst attitudes ever. Like, have you ever had the ever moment? It's like when it reaches the peak that you thought it would never get to because the other peak was just surpassed, right? It's the ever moment. And in that, it's like, where did this attitude come from? And I wanted to blame the classroom, not the teacher. I wanted to blame the classroom. But the thing about attitudes is attitudes are more caught than taught. And over the summer, we've had an amazing time as a family, but our kids' attitude of gratefulness has somehow in the last week and a half turned into an attitude of gripefulness. Right? Y'all ever had that? It's the end of summer. Of course you have. And so their attitude of gratefulness has turned into gripefulness. And I'm thinking, where in the world did they not, where in the world did they not understand how grateful they should be for all the stuff, all the things, all the time that we've spent with them this summer? How are they not grateful? And they developed an attitude of gripefulness. But if truly attitudes are more caught than taught, and I'm wondering why my kids aren't grateful, I begin to look at how grateful I am in front of my kids. How much I am praising the Lord for all the great stuff he's done for us. Or do my kids constantly hear me, we don't have any money again, where did it all go? Right? So my kids' attitudes about not having enough is more caught by from what their father brings home. And it's more caught than taught. So if I'm concerned about my kids not being grateful, maybe I ought to look how grateful I am being in front of them for all the stuff, things, time, and energy God has spent for me. Because listen to this. Attitudes are manifested in the atmosphere that I have cultivated. My kids' attitudes are manifested. They come out in the atmosphere that I've cultivated. Now, a lot of you wonderful, amazing married people with your husbands and your wife, you're sitting here with your arms around each other, you're close to each other, and, and listen, that's awesome and amazing. But I promise you this, if I say something this morning that offends you, your spouse next to you can be in a great mood. But now the attitude of offense that you've picked up, I promise before you get home, she will encounter it. Oh, I'm leaving. It's like, Honey, I just love that sermon. It was so great. Like, yeah, I can't believe he said something. <laughs> Tell you, if I'd run that church, it'd be done this way. <laughs> and before you even get to the car, your attitude was caught by the person who is dearest to you. And so I'm saying this for a reason. As we raise kids and we talk about attitudes and we don't like the bad attitudes of our kids, if it's true that more attitudes are caught more than they're taught, maybe the attitude that they're manifesting is simply a, a, a fruit of what I've been cultivating. And the fruit that I'm cultivating, I'm reaping the harvest of what daddy brings home sometimes rather than what they brought home from school. Because my atmosphere and the atmosphere of my house is the most influential thing in their life. 
And so if I am influencing them properly in the right atmosphere that is created in my house of gratefulness, when the attitude of gratefulness comes in, the first place I look is not toward them, it's in the mirror to me. And now certainly they can catch some things and bring it home, like the flu. But I'm telling you, most of the time, sicknesses, diseases is not caught from school. It's caught from what we all bring home and from where we're at. Attitudes, they are manifested in the environment and the atmosphere that I have cultivated. Let's talk about actions for a minute. If actions are the emotional response, if attitudes are the emotional response, actions are the physical response to the circumstances we are in. So attitudes are the emotional response. Actions are the physical response to the uh, circumstances we're in. And we don't call them actions. We literally call them reactions, Jeremy. So if uh, attitudes are the emotional response, uh, actions are the physical response. They are our reactions, but every re what we call a reaction is actually the starting of an action that sets a new direction. So with this, you don't know what kind of parent you are until you have to tell your kid... No. How many of y'all ever had to tell your kid no? And you walk up to that wonderful little darling, right? And you look them square in the eye, and you got to say no, but it's something they really want. Let me tell you the secret to that. You walk up to them to tell them no, and they say, can I have this? I really, really want this. You say, nope, you can't have it. I've already said it. You don't got to look at them when you tell them no. You just got to tell them no. Because I am more of the sympathetic one, right? In my household. Go ahead, say that. I am. I, I, I'm being careful of my phraseology in the moment. I am more the sympathetic one. Daddy, I'm thirsty. Convenience store. Right? Buy a Mountain Dew and a Dr. Pepper and Uncle Jeff's happy and Mama's mad and, you know, it's the... Daddy's have who my kids love me, they got them soda, right? You don't know what kind of a parent you are until you have to tell your kid no. You don't know what kind of a kid you are until you evaluate your response to the no. When we as a child, and I said some of the greatest lessons I've ever learned is God's response to me uh, uh, is the same as my response to my kids. When I correct my kids, it's literally God correcting me in the process when we sing a song here on Sunday mornings he's a good good father it's who he is and we are loved by him and all this stuff is he still a good good father when he says no and you'll say he's a good good father with your mouth but a lot of time our actions aren't saying he's a good good father I can't believe God hasn't come through for me yet. I've been praying I've been seeking I've been fasting I've been I've been I've been I've been I can't believe what does that sound like our actions, our mouth can say he's a good, good father, but by our very actions, we're saying you are anything but. And with this, I want to ask you a question. How conditional is your faith? In my notes, I wrote it different. In my notes, I, my notes, I asked the question, do you have conditional faith? How I want to ask you the question is, how conditional is your faith? Because all of our faith is conditional to a point. All of our faith reaches a breaking point at some point. And so how conditional is your faith? If when God says no, you immediately quit and walk away because God just must be mad at me. He said, no, I quit. I'm done with this whole church thing. I don't even like it anymore, right? How conditional is your faith?
Most of our faith is conditional to the people around us. We love God, we love the church, we love everything about the people in the church until somebody in the church made me mad and then I'm offended by it and so I'm leaving the church and God doesn't love me and I don't know what's going on, I'm just, I just don't even know anymore. Right? How conditional is our faith? When God says no, is he still a good, good father? When God says no, do we quit? When the results don't come quick enough, do we walk away? When we don't get the results we want, when the promotion passes you by, when the promotion doesn't come overnight, and in fact you've been waiting on it for over a year, is he still a good, good father then? And if he's still a good, good father then, how conditional is our faith? We've all seen the TV show, or at least heard of the TV show, Minute to Win It, right? If you've seen that, raise your hand real high. It's where they have a bunch of people on the stage and they give a certain group of people one minute to complete a task. And if they complete it in one minute, they get a certain amount of money. So it's called a minute to win it. And so you have one minute to win it. Why is most of our believing faith categorized in minute to win it? I pray for a minute and then I think God should owe it to me in the next minute so I can win it and have my four and no more and go on and be happy ever after right we prayed for it on sunday morning god and it's two o'clock on sunday afternoon and i've only had road rage and cussed out my waiter or waitress and didn't leave them a tip and got home and yelled at my kids and now i can't believe you haven't come through for me yet (laughs) okay hopefully you don't go to that extreme when you leave church right (laughs) but normally that is most of the normal people's lives Why is our faith built for minute to win it rather than built for the maturing that God is wanting to bring us into? I've realized one thing in my life. Most of my issues of prayers not being answered when I thought they should be was not a faith issue. It was a maturity issue. It was not a faith issue. It was a maturity issue. And with that, um, if we have minute to win it faith rather than possessing the maturity to step into it, we're never going to mature into what God has called us to. And so I'm going to challenge you, how mature are you letting God be, or how are you letting God mature your spiritual walk as a believer? How is it maturing you? There's a lot of things out in my life I've had to wait for that I didn't want to wait for, that I wanted it in the minute. But if I would have got it in the minute, my maturity wouldn't hold to the favor and the blessing of God and so the no is just as good as the yes we don't like to hear that we like to hear yes and amen all the promises of God and yes and amen and they are yes and amen but when you have a request and God says no are you mature enough to handle the no in your life Most of my issues in life were not a faith issue. They were a maturity issue. If I were to have every dream and my desire of my heart for this church to have come to pass when I prayed for it, there is no way my maturity could have sustained the ability to lead and pastor a church effectively of the size I was praying for or the facilities I was asking for. I didn't have the capabilities, and God knew that. It's not that God doesn't want to give it to me. It's my maturity hasn't got to the point where I can steward it well. 
Some of us in the room, we need to look at our life and say, I do believe in God. I do believe he's the God of miracles. And so if anything is holding me back, it's not the God of miracles. Maybe I need to mature to a point where I can fully walk in the fullness of what God has for me. And maturing is not always fun. Maturing, you go through some hard times. You go through some awkward times. You go through some weird times. So when the answer is no, the next action you do as a person is the gauge by which you can measure your maturity. So when God says no, your next actions or your reactions is the gauge by which you can measure your spiritual walk, your maturity in it. So in the process of growing, I've learned when I've asked God for something and he doesn't respond, there are certain times when God says no, so I'm grateful for the no, just because I got the answer, right? But when he doesn't respond... And it's not a no, but it hasn't come yet. I realize it's maturity that I got to get. And so I must begin to walk out the walk of maturity in my life. And so the maturity side of me is this. The maturity side of me says this when it's not coming to pass. That he who began a good work in me is still faithful to complete the work in me. It may not be on my time frame, but I know this. He's the author and the finisher and the perfecter of my faith. So if he's starting to write the book and it's not completely finished yet, why am I wanting to come to an ending when he's still writing the first chapter? And I got to begin to realize that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to the purposes of God. And so with that, I know that we're in the will of God with me and my family. And so when I get the no or I get the no response and it doesn't happen yet, I got to believe he's working something together for good because I know I'm called according to his purposes. And that's maturity that is in the moment between the prayer and the answer. And God is looking for a church to rise up into maturity so he can give them all the answers that they're looking for and everything that they need. And so we've talked about attitudes, we've talked about actions, let's talk about attributes just for a moment. What are attributes? Attributes are the qualities or the features that make you who you are. This is why I love next steps. You get to figure out your attributes, the qualities and the features or the features that make you who you are. And Damon, uh, with us as staff, he lets us be guinea pigs in all these new tests he's trying to figure out and take to get proper personality assessments and spiritual gift assessments and next steps. He, he like, guinea pigs the staff and says, take this, take this, take this. And, like, it's never just one at a time, is it, Pastor Jack? He's, like, a, a, a stack of, like, five different tests, right? And he's, like, hey, can you have this to me in, like, 30 minutes or something? I'm like, no, we can't do this in 30 minutes. And so the funny thing was, is he did this the other day. He gave us all these tests and stuff like that. And my wife's texted me this picture. And on her test, she got a, was it a 14 or a 16? She got a 14 on the letter C. And now that's a lot, okay? Because there's only like, uh, like 25 questions. And 14 of her answers ended up in the same column. I mean, I'm not a mathematician, but I know that there's only nine answers left for the other three columns, Right? And so she got 14 in this column, and it was a C. And I thought the C stand, stood for extra cute, but it stands for compliant, right? So I was like, yeah, 14, she's awesome. And so with that, we got home, and we were talking about it, and, and I said, well, pull up what all this means. And she started reading me the description of what this is and who she is in her life. And, 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 and I started, we just started laughing hysterically. Because in the moment she was talking, it's like, I'm, I'm a realist. It is black and white. 
I am the one who pulls you back down to earth. And I'm like, this is so perfect. That is her. She's awesome. And so she's this C. Now, if you know me, I'm a D. I'm a very strong, uh, driven, motivated person. And I'm a very high I as well, which means influential. So she started reading me the character of influential. Big picture, nothing holds them back. They're willing to go conquer the world. And she's the real. It's like, the world's right here, right? When, when we first had babies, she was the realist. The world's right here. Change a diaper, right? You're changing the world when you change that kid's diaper, right? But see, I prayed for a world changer. You know, I prayed for my sons. I got, God, I want some world changers. I want some kids who are not going to be shy about the gospel. I want some And so he gave me a baby that I had to change his diaper. So he's given me the promise in the midst of giving me the reality of if you want a world changer, you got to change the diapers of the one who's going to change the world. I didn't pray for that, but it took maturity. <laughs> and he's maturing me to get to the point of watching them become world changers. And I say all that for a reason. The attributes God has put in your life, whether you love them or you hate them. Some of you hate the person you are and you need to be set free of that. Because here's what I'm going to tell you. God has put the attributes in you to kill the giants that are in front of you. God has put the attributes in you, Dahlia, to kill the giants that are in front of you. Some of you don't like who you are. Some of you wish you had a more outgoing personality. Some of you wish you were a high I rather than a high C. Some of you wish you were an S and you were stable in life, but you're all over the map. God put you with specific attributes in your life. And the specific attributes in your life are to kill the giants that are in front of you. But here's the thing about attributes. There's three things that has to happen with the attributes that God has put in you. They must be redeemed, they must be refined, and then they must be released. A lot of you, the reason you're struggling with who you are is because you say, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, but you hate who you are. It's because the attributes in you haven't been redeemed to the new creation in Christ who you are. He's given you certain attributes. Have you ever said this about your kids? Those darn kids. Let's keep it G-rated so we'll stay darn, right? Those darn kids, they never listen. Did you hear what you just said? You called out an attribute in their life. It hasn't been redeemed yet, so it's operating in rebellion. But when you say those darn kids, you're really saying, if you'll redeem it, look at how determined those kids are. And if we can steer this determination in the right direction and redeem this determination, it's no longer a curse, but a blessing. And if we can redeem this determination, and if we can plug them into the house of God, they're going to be determined to do things for the house of God. They're going to go around the world and change nations. But I got to redeem this attribute because it's going to kill the giant that's in front of them. And if they're these determined kids, not these darn kids, but they're these determined kids praise God for their determination when you redeem it then you can help refine it and when you begin to refine it guess what begins to happen they stay determined and they're not going to quit at the call of God on their life they're not going to quit when it gets hard they're not going to stop when something comes against them they're determined they got the power of God in them and so the attributes that are in them are to kill the giants in front of them so when you're talking to your kids and about your kids the attributes you got to get them redeemed you got to get them refined so then they can go forward and release the attributes of God in their life on the world around them and advance the kingdom of God forward. Can I get an amen on that? Come on. And here is what we must understand. 
the attributes that are in our life are to kill the giants that are in front of us. And I said they must be redeemed, they must be refined before they can be released. We love the terminology of kill the giants in front of us because it automatically brings us back to the story of David and Goliath, right? The giant killers, the little shepherd boy who wouldn't take no for an answer from the king and got his slingshot and went out and he slung it around his head and the rock came out as he released it and it sunk in the forehead of Goliath and he fell with a great fall and David got the Goliath sword and cut his head off with his own sword and with that he was able to release something and as he was able to release something listen to what I'm about to say he didn't release it the day he was anointed to be king he released it about 15 years later then it was another 15 years before he got to the throne so listen to what I'm saying this morning and I'm glad our kids are coming in to hear this part so I'm going to wait till they all get in one so you'll hear it two so they can hear it y'all look at our kids look at them world changers walking in anointed under the power of God all you see is the kid that irritated you this morning so listen to what I'm saying about them not what you think about them the power of God is on their life looks like there's about 150 of them strolling in y'all they just keep coming and coming can y'all give our kids a hand clap this morning just just celebrate them celebrate them for who they are and every one of these awesome amazing world changers has attributes in front of them or attributes in them to kill the giants in front of them the thing about the attributes that are in them if they're ever going to be used to kill the giants in front of them they must be redeemed they must be uh, refined before they can be released we love the story of David and Goliath but we don't celebrate the refining and the redeeming of his of his attributes because what did he say when he went before King Saul he said this oh king I am well able to do this I have slain the lion and the bear and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them see we'll celebrate when the giants fall but you must celebrate just as much the redeeming that comes when the lion comes in your life see the attribute of determination doesn't just happen when the giant comes up it happens when you don't quit loving on your kids when they irritate you it happens day in and day out when the work lion comes when the home lion comes when the things of life come when the car breaks down and you're going to prove that you're going to walk by faith and I'm not going to quit just because there's a lion coming see it's the lion that was able to be the redemption of his attributes that would eventually bring him to Goliath to slay the giant in front of him so if you do not kill and slay the lions and the bears in private you'll never slay the Goliath in public oh come on somebody some of you want to be the boss of your own organization because you could run it so much better if you can't be the boss of your own life in your cubicle you're never going to run a multi-million dollar fortune 500 company I'm just telling you if you can't slay the lions and the bears in the cubicle you'll never do it with the office with a window looking over the river come on 
I'm telling you, you got to celebrate the test of the lion. You got to celebrate the test of the bear before you can celebrate the test of the giant that falls before you. But the attributes in you are to slay the giants that are in front of you. And if you'll redeem them, if you'll get them refined, then God says, up on me in the wilderness when he was alone watching sheep in fact he wrote much of the psalms and he would praise me when nobody was watching he would celebrate me when nobody was around when the lion would come he killed it and he didn't complain about it when the bear would come he destroyed it and he didn't curse about it when everything was coming against him he encouraged himself in me so when he was alone and the test came and the lion came and the bear came he passed the test and it was redeemed and it was now I'm going to anoint him because when the king said I'm going to give you my armor he said I'm going to trust in the almighty God I don't need your physical stuff king I've got a God who's greater see he knew where his strength come from I love this verse it says I lift up my eyes to the hills where does my strength come from it comes from the Lord God almighty the maker of heaven and earth hallelujah when you don't think you can parent any longer, lift up your eyes to the hill because you're gravitating to what you're looking at. He said, I got to lift up my eyes. I got to begin to pick up my head. I got to quit looking down on my circumstances and look up to a God who can fix them is what he's saying. Ooh, come on. I could preach all day. Y'all gave me a month off. Oh, if you're going to ever slay the giants in front of you, you got to redeem the attributes in your life. You're not messed up. You just got to get some stuff redeemed. You're not messed up. You just got to let God do some refining. You're not messed up. You just got to start releasing what he's already redeemed and refined. You're not messed up. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. Your kids aren't messed up. They're fearfully and wonderfully made. And if I learned one thing on my sabbatical, it was this. I'm done trusting God for miracles in where I lack. And I'm going to start trusting God for the miracles that get me to where I need to be. I'm going to begin to trust him going this direction, not looking back on what I didn't have from this direction. When Jesus healed people in the Bible, he was gave him, giving them something he lacked. The one miracle he was about to give somebody who didn't lack anything was to say, get rid of all your stuff and go sell it all, give it to the poor, and then come with me. He was trying to give him a miracle to come bring him into where he was going, and he rejected it. I don't want to just believe God to fill what I don't have. I want to start believing God for miracles to bring me into what he's got for me. I want to start believing God for miracles that'll bring me forward, that'll bring the kingdom of God forward. I want to shift my perspective from here till I lift my eyes to the hills, to where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. It doesn't depend on whether you like me or you don't like me or whether you love it or you hate it. It depends on where I look my eyes to. And I believe when I look my eyes to him, he'll bring me into what he's called me to do. As I quit this morning, I'm, gonna, I'm quitting because I got to go, but there's a lot of stuff I want to stay still. As you're going to dedicate your kids to the Lord this morning, I need you to remember this one thing, that you are a kid. But I'm telling you this, Cedric, you're way more than a kid. Different. 
See, you got kids in the room, but you also have people who have accepted what it is to be a son and a daughter in the kingdom. And today, God's wanting to shift everybody's perspective from the youngest over here to the oldest person in the building. And he wants to shift our perspective from being just a kid to being a son and a daughter in the kingdom. Where our faith isn't minute to win it, our faith has grown and matured in the kingdom of God so he can give us the keys to the kingdom and we can accomplish all that he's done. And it all starts with Jesus Christ. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, here's where it begins. You need to make a decision this morning and say, I'm going to follow Jesus because he is the way, the truth, and the life. And it's only through him that I'm going to get to be all that I'm supposed to be and actually be fulfilled in this life. And we've got ministers all around the auditorium who want to be with you and pray with you and lead you to Jesus Christ. Secondly is this. Some of you just need to sell out and say, you know, I haven't really been walking faithfully with God. I've had these attitudes of if God doesn't show up, then I'm just done with this whole church thing. And I just need to sell out. I need to become who I used to be when I was passion and fire. And I need to have a fresh commitment with Jesus this morning. This morning, that's for you. Go to any of these ministers that are around. Finally, it's this. In your life, you've heard me talk about attitudes, actions, and attributes. One of those three phrases has hit a chord with every single person in this room. What do you need to let God redeem, refine, so he can release it into this world? A world that is lacking what you have. A world that is needing what you have to offer. But they need it redeemed, they need it refined, and they need it in a way that can be released on their life that only Jesus can give. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do in just a minute. I'm going to ask you in just a minute to, number one, don't leave. Don't leave. This is the most important time of any worship service that we have. This is when people are making decisions for the Lord Jesus Christ. They're literally having their whole world changed right now. If that's not you and you don't feel a tug that strongly, pray for the person on your right or to your left because one of them is. So I'm asking for nobody to leave. The next thing is this, is if you need to get your children, I need everybody to go get their children as we have altar call this morning and bring them back to your seat. If you are dedicating your children and your children are in pre-K, you'll be dismissed in just a second to get them and bring them back in. When the altar call is finished, I'll call all the families up that want to dedicate their children and we'll have a time of prayer and consecration and we'll dedicate your children. And listen, this isn't a baby dedication. If you have a baby, you're welcome to dedicate them. But this is a child dedication. If your child's going into a senior year in high school, you probably need to dedicate him to the Lord. If your child's going to be a freshman in college, you probably need to dedicate him to the Lord. If your child's going into third or fourth grade and you've never dedicated him to the Lord, let's do it together this morning as a family. And so if you need to make Jesus Lord of your life, if you need to sell out and just make a fresh commitment, or if you need prayer for any other thing in your life, a healing, an encouragement, anything else that you would need, our ministers are ready to pray with you. If you want to take communion, line up between section one and two, and there they'll be able to serve you communion. I'd like everybody to stand this morning. As you're standing this morning, all across the auditorium, if you have a child, you're welcome to go get your children, whether they're out in the pre-K or over here, you're welcome to move. If you need to make a decision for Christ, begin to move. Father, in the name of Jesus, now do what only you can do. 
what weeks of preparation have built up to this. God, do what only you can do. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. The altars are open.